Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand, the opportunity to take control of your future, and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach. Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top-performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal. Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily and it is delicious. You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews, from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over five years we've been asking the franchisepreneurs of all one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, and I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Jason Isley of Franchise Development for the 1-800-GOT-JUNK Franchise Opportunity. And 1-800-GOT-JUNK is the world's largest junk removal franchise with 200-plus franchise partners throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia. Hey, Jason, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Marty. Great to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure, Jason. Thanks for coming on this show. Jason, we always like to ask our guests where you're calling from this morning. I am calling in from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia on the west coast of Canada. Nice. How's the weather there today? You know what? Clear blue skies, nice sun rising, and crisp wow. cold air. So it's a, it's a nice January <laughs> day here. That's fantastic. I do have a, an interesting background, Jason. What were you doing before joining the 1-800-GOT-JUNK? Well, you know what? Not much. I've uh, actually been with the company, uh, just joined the company a little over 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, before that, I was a student. So this has been my career, my life, and wow. uh, franchising is essentially all I know. 
That's fantastic. The, the company has an amazing um, history. Did you want to talk a little bit about that, the history of the organization? We've spoken yeah, about you, know, you guys I, on several occasions. Yeah, you bet, and, and it's a fun story because uh, our company came to be with uh, from the, the mind of our founder and CEO, Brian Scudamore, and, yeah. and for him, uh, you know, he started this company back when he was 18 years old. Uh, he was a, look, uh, a student looking for a summer job at the time, and it was a tough job market. Yeah and uh, needed to find a way to pay for college. So, um, oddly enough, he was sitting in a McDonald's drive through of all places, when in front of him he saw a beat-up old pickup truck with plywood sides, and uh, it said Mark's Hauling on the side, and he thought to himself, you know, I can do that. That seems simple enough. So, he had $1,000 in the bank, took 700 of it, and bought a pickup truck, and spent the rest on brochures and business cards, and... Uh, became everything we say we're not today, the man with truck that will haul junk type, and that was the beginning. So it was a start, paid for his way through school. Um, however, ironically, what was supposed to pay for school led him to dropping out. He was actually finding, he was uh, learning more about uh, business by running one than actually uh, reading about it in a book, and uh, was continually getting too many phone calls. So Dropped out of school. Um, his dad, who's one of the top liver transplant surgeons here in the city, obviously not yeah. too impressed. His son was dropping out of college to become a junk right. man. Um, but uh, the business started to grow. And, uh, you know, just year over year, it, it started to double in size to the point where he had a million-dollar business on his hand and, and realized that he had something going. And uh, the franchising began. So... That was the the beginning. It was a very humble beginning, but uh, you know, when you start that small, you're able to learn a lot. And uh, right. obviously, we're lucky to have him as a CEO. As he's a pretty sharp guy, and here we are today. Yeah, it, it is. It's an amazing story, and we've we've mentioned it on several occasions. We even had uh, Jason on the show. We were talking to um, Michael Gerber. Um, I know you know the name. And yeah. uh, Michael Gerber was actually talking about the 1-800-GOT-JUNK opportunity. I, I know that the founder of your company was um, uh, a big advocate also of the E-Myth, I guess. Yes, that, that is a Bible within our organization, most certainly. That's fantastic. So how has the show Hoarders impacted your, your, your business or your franchise? My wife is obsessed with this show, and, and we see you guys, it seems like, every day, you know, watching the old clips of, of Hoarders, which has become a very interesting show. A lot of people watch it, and uh, you see your trucks all over the place. Yeah, no, that's been a lot of fun for us, and, and we're very fortunate to be on that show because it does so much uh, great things for our brand. I mean, the, the most obvious is just creating awareness, you know, just continuing to get our brand in front of such an audience and, and our logo. I mean, uh, you can't pay for that kind of advertising that we're receiving. True. So we're, we're certainly grateful, but uh, beyond just creating awareness, um, it actually drives a lot of interest towards our business opportunity. You know, I, I, we receive a lot of phone calls of people saying, hey, I saw you on Hoarders. I realize you're not in my town. How do I get involved? So, uh, you know, that is something that we hope continues forever and, and something that we have a lot of fun with. I know that our franchise owners enjoy being on camera and, and being able to watch of themselves course. on TV as well. So lots of great benefits for us from that. Oh, absolutely. So how do you describe the 1-800-GOTS on franchise? opportunity to someone who's who's interested jason where, where do you where do you begin you know if, if we're talking the opportunity itself as as a franchise opportunity uh, i mean this is more than junk hauling you know for yeah. us um it's not just 
what we're actually providing as a service, but it's more about creating an experience and building a brand. And and mm-hmm. that's what gets us excited here. Um, you know, we want to be creating a household name. We want people to be saying, hey, you know what, I had some amazing service in it from all people, yeah. people that took my junk. So it's not about do you know how to drive a truck, do you know how to pick up right. garbage. Um, it's more about do you want to build something special? Do you want to build a brand within your community? Do you want to build uh, something that people can relate to, that they enjoy experiencing? And and that's sort of you know the best way that I think I can describe it. Um, it's not rocket science by any means. It's a right, pretty right. simple model, but you need to take pride in it, and, and you got to have a little fun as well. Of course. Oh, absolutely. That's well said. So has technology played a role in this business, or is this fairly low technology, Jason, would you say? You no, know, actually, we uh, we are tech geeks, for that matter. Really? Uh, yeah. We, we You think junk, you think a low-tech right, industry. Right. Uh, but we've actually, uh, we love technology. And so uh, on a number of fronts, we've actually uh, been written up in Wired Magazine for the software that we've developed to run our business. Um, we developed our own proprietary software called JunkNet, which is uh, a platform that uh, all of our franchise owners use to manage their business. It's the same platform um, that our call center uses to schedule the appointments. And uh, because of it, you know, we're able to communicate pretty effectively with all of our owners. They're able to understand what's happening in their business. Um, and we're able to sort of dispatch information electronically, you know, right from our head office out to the individual trucks, you know, through, initially it was through SMS, now thankfully to smartphones it gets a little easier. So, uh, you know, we, we always like to be on the cutting edge of technology. Um, on a marketing standpoint and brand building standpoint, uh, we've partnered with Google on many accounts to sort of be one of their beta testers for a lot of the projects that they have. We have a very close relationship. Um, so whether it be, you know, pay-per-click campaigns or whether it be having a branded YouTube channel, you know, we like to stay on the forefront. We like to be nimble and, uh, we're not afraid to try new things. So, no, technology has played a, a huge role in our business right from day one, and, and it's something that we'll continue to do moving forward. Wow, that's fantastic. Are there any numbers on the industry, I mean, as far as how big this industry is? I mean, I know you guys are in, in Canada. Um, yeah, that's that's a fun question, and, and it's probably the toughest one for me to answer. I can imagine, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, there there wasn't really an industry before we right. came along. You know, there, right. it, there wasn't exactly the mindset of, oh, geez, I'll call a company to clean out my garage or, or to exactly. empty my basement. So it's it's one where it's tough to answer because we've sort of been creating yeah. it as we go along. And, you know, Absolutely. we're... We're doing system-wide sales of, of north of $100 million. Um, We honestly believe that this can be a billion-dollar industry. You know, we've yeah. just yeah. scratched the surface. We continually, uh, you know, conduct research to see what our awareness is throughout North America. And, and you know, a lot of times it's, you know, unaided awareness is under 10%. So not a lot of people still know about us, and, and yet we're still doing some great business so far. So we got a long ways to go. So tough question, but hopefully that gives of you a course. bit of insight. It does, absolutely. So what's been the most interesting thing that's happened to you um, since being with the organization, Jason? Is there anything that stands out? Or I'm sure a lot of, you have a lot of interesting stories. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I could go through countless tales of the unique imagine. items that we continually find at people's homes, whether yeah. it be, uh, you know, a warehouse full of mannequin heads to uh, old f- freezers filled with sardines. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I think for me, though, 
the most interesting thing that's happened to me personally is just the ability to meet such wide variety of people that are interested in joining the business. You know, this is something where uh, we have people from technology backgrounds. We have engineers that join our business from finance backgrounds, from sales backgrounds. I mean, all walks of life. And and I think what's appealing, like I mentioned earlier, is that uh, uh, it's it's a simple model. You know, you have trucks, you go pick up items, you provide great service, you build a brand. Um, So anybody can get into it. And so I've met a lot of great people from wonderful backgrounds, and I think that's been my favorite part. Yeah, and it's just what I've always loved about this particular model is, you know, again, because I have studied you guys, is it is a fairly simple model, you know. Um, it always reminded me a lot of like a Subway kind of story, starting the company for $1,000, you know, and, uh, you know, Fred DeLuca is the same thing. Um, what types of characteristics then do you look for in, in your franchisees since there's that diversity, Jason? Yeah, uh, great question. And and for us, um, there's a few different things. I mean, when I, when you talk skill sets, uh, mm-hmm. The big one is is sales and marketing ability. Yeah. You know whether yeah. you have the experience or not, uh, at least have the aptitude, because I think in any business, you know, you, you right. need to be able to get out into your community and mm-hmm. develop relationships. You know, uh, we we always yeah. believe, especially for us, we don't have a, a retail storefront. You know, you can't just flip open the open sign and, and right. have people walk through the door. You really have to get out there and and meet with people. So sales and marketing uh, is a big skill set for us. Uh, I think, like I say, that can apply to most businesses. Um, The other one is is management skills, Um, leadership ability. You know, you you have all these truck teams driving all over the city picking up all this junk. You need to be able to, A, find great people and and be on top of them. You know, make sure that they're delivering that experience that you want them to to your clients. So those are the soft skills. Um, beyond that, we want people that are going to be committed, you know, on a full-time basis to running this business. Uh, we find that's the best way to create success is if you're uh, in it to win it, as they say. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, just being appropriately capitalized. So, wow. no, no, nothing earth-shattering there. I think, like I mentioned, right. that can be applied to most business concepts. But those are the key exactly. elements that we look for in, in successful franchise owners. Interesting. So how does the training work then uh, for for your new franchisees, Jason? What goes on there? Yeah, this is something we put a big emphasis on. Mm -hmm. Um, To us, it's all about building a foundation and and getting the systems in place so that when you do launch your business, you can just focus on execution. Um, So our training begins. We have a a two-month startup process where we have people put all the right systems in place, you know, get everything implemented that they need to, and then they come to our head office here in Vancouver uh, for a week of training where we literally teach everything that we know about 1-800-GOT-JUNK, everything from right. how to load a truck to how to hire an employee to how to manage your books. And, and so it's a pretty in-depth training program. Um, after that, you know, after two full months of working with us and a week of training, uh, people are usually chomping at the bit to get going, and, and we're pretty course, excited to right. watch them grow. Um, I think one of the things that, that I like about our organization is that uh, it doesn't end there, though. You know, we continue to work with our franchise partners very closely throughout the life of their franchise with business coaches and mentors um, because we want to ensure success. And, and I think that's led to a, a lot of the wins that we've had over the years. That's interesting. So what's a typical day like as, as a franchisee if there is 
such a thing as a typical day. As well. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, imagine every day is kind of different, but right, right. Good clarification. But uh, yeah. you know, if I if I was to sort of give you an, a, a semi-typical day, I, I think mm-hmm. it would start with uh, getting up in the morning. You know, uh, going online, looking at our software, and printing off the schedules right. for each one of your trucks for the day. Um, you know, getting things ready for your teams. You would do your, you would meet with your truck teams. Your employees would show up for the day, and you do your little uh, pre-shift meeting. Let them know what they need to accomplish, what the goals are for the day. Is there any particular marketing that needs to take place? And then away your teams go. Um, from there, our owners should be focused on growing their business. And so, whether that be out there, you know, whether it's going to a, a local networking breakfast at your chamber of commerce and, and meeting other business owners within the community. Um, from there, perhaps you go out and, and start knocking on some doors of realtors and, and doing a little bit of, of cold calling potentially and and uh, trying to find people that you can explain our service to. Um, maybe it's property managers or, or going out and talking with contractors. Um, this is a, an opportunity where the harder you work, the more business you're going to have, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think you know that's always nice to be able to really impact your business directly. Um, maybe in the afternoon, you have an interview set up, find a new few new more truck employees, um, get out there and do some of the marketing, and then uh, by the time the day wraps up, you meet with your team, see how the day went, you know, collect all the, the books for the day. And then maybe your evening is, uh, you know, doing a little bit of admin work at home, you know, entering all the information from the day and, and logging everything that needs to be logged. Um, if you're really keen, maybe you're hitting another networking event. Again, continuing to get out there and, and push your brand, create the buzz within that community of what it is that 1-800-GOT-JUNK has to offer. Interesting. What, where does the junk actually go then, Jason? I mean, what happens? I mean, so I know some of it probably gets recycled, or some of it gets disposed of, some of it might get donated. Is that typically how it works? I mean, yeah, you, you know, uh, we we take big pride in trying to divert as much as we can from the mm. landfill, and it, it's a metric that we monitor very closely. Um, right now, our stats we're we're diverting more than seventy percent of the items that we pick up away from the landfills. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a wide variety, whether we can donate things to charities, perhaps we're um, taking things to scrap metal dealers or uh, secondhand stores or Salvation Army or wherever we can find a place to take materials. Um, right. It's in our best interest, not only from helping the environment and, and looking good within the community, um, right. but it increases profitability. You know, it, it takes it costs money to go to the landfill. So oh, yeah. anytime yeah. we can find uh, another method to do so, um, we're certainly encouraged that way. So, um, you know, that's something that we want to continue to grow that number. Uh, will we ever get it to 100%? Uh, hey, never say never, but I think that might be right. a little bit tough. Right. right. Uh, but so far, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job of, of trying to be as green as possible. That's great. So what advice would you give to our listeners? You know, most of them are, we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. They know they want to buy a franchise, but they just don't know where to begin. And, you know, you've been doing this for a while now. What would you say to them, Jason, in their quest to buy a franchise? You know, I, I would just say look around and, and really do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get out there and do the research. Talk to franchise owners, people that are in the business that you're looking at. I mean, that's something we always encourage um, we don't want to hide anything. And, and there's going to be strengths and weaknesses to every brand, and, and you need to look at it and say, okay, do my strengths match up? Is this something that I'm going to be able to excel at? 
Um, and then the, the biggest piece of advice I would say is, is be appropriately capitalized. You know, whatever the minimums are, have more. You know, I, I think cash is always king in any business, and you yeah. set yourself up to win because uh, you never know what's around the corner. Uh, we, we watched a few years ago with the market crash and, and the big recession, and, and that hurt a lot of people. So uh, I think capital is such a big piece of it. And then the last thing I'll, I'll mention very quickly, I, I always think this is the best one, is that uh, be prepared to work hard. You know, I, I think a lot of people think there's some get-rich-quick schemes out there and some great programs you can jump on and just invest and watch your money grow. Uh, not the case. Entrepreneurship is probably the hardest yeah. thing anybody could ever do, but probably the most rewarding as well. Yeah, well said. So what are your plans for the future? I mean, you guys are up to now, what is it, like 200-plus, and you're in, uh, I guess, three different countries. You're in was it Australia, United States, and, of course, Canada. What's yeah. next for you guys? Well, I, I mean, we're going to continue to grow. And, and I mean, we still have openings in, in North America where we're looking for great people. Uh, we still have a couple of openings in Australia. Um, and then in the coming years, we're, we're going to start to look at, uh, you know, uh, other countries. You know, and, and we haven't really set aside which countries mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, to us, it's more important to find the right person uh, rather right. than trying to squeeze into a particular market. Uh, but something exciting that we are doing is we've just launched uh, a second brand. And oh, so, really? yeah, we've uh, decided to leverage all of our, our knowledge, all of our know-how, our resources, and our infrastructure, and uh, we're taking on a new service-based industry. So we have just wow. started one triple eight wow one day painting and wow, uh we're, we've yeah we've been at it 10 months we're we're up to 10 locations already and uh we're expecting big things in 2012 and we just looked at it and said hey we have another fragmented industry um that uh, really doesn't have a, a true household name yet so we thought we're taking on the world of painting we're going to up the standard in, the, in that world as well and see what we can accomplish so that's what uh, is, gets me out of bed in the morning right now and keeps me excited. <laughs> That's fantastic. We're going to have to have you back on the show and, and talk about that one as well as that brand uh, also continues to grow. What's the best way for our listeners to get more information on becoming a franchisee? Uh, Jason, any websites they should go to? Yeah, you know what? Uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK.COM. And okay. uh, it's pretty self-explanatory from there, but uh, that ha- will have a ton of information. Of course, you can always feel free to dial the 1-800-GOT-JUNK number, and, and they'll always direct you to the right place as well. But uh, look forward to speaking with anybody that might be interested. That's fantastic. And I want to congratulate you guys on your success, Jason. Again, we've been following you guys a long time now and talking about you guys for a long time on the show. I think we've probably mentioned you on like five to ten occasions already. So <laughs> it was great that we finally had you on the show and got to speak to you. So uh, uh, be well, and I'd love to have you back on the show. Excellent, and I would look forward to the opportunity. Thank you so much for the invite today. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much, Jason. Have a great day today. And we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Franchise Interviews. For over four years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get inside tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Check out our weekly franchise radio show, where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys 
And don't forget to listen to our podcast, Great Quotes and Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand? The opportunity to take control of your future and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach. Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top-performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal. Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily and it is delicious. You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising where each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. And today's podcast is being brought to you by Diamond Financial Services and if you're looking for a loan to finance your franchise simply click the Diamond Financial Services logo below. Today's podcast you're going to get to hear from a legend in entrepreneurship and franchising and that's Michael Gerber and we've had Michael on the show two times up to this point and the first time we had him on the show we were just Don and I were amazed at uh, uh, the amount of emails we received and listeners and it was really uh, overwhelming and uh, uh, incredibly fun at the same time one of the questions that we commonly ask on every show is what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise and naturally Michael's response was brilliant so here we go yeah, well, I think before that, Mike, I think a lot of people listening uh, might, might be a little surprised that your mom still tells you what to do. <laughs> no, that's the problem. My mom never told me what to do. She inspires me to do things that I never exactly. thought about doing. Absolutely. That's great. That's tremendous. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to a prospective franchisee looking to buy a franchise, Michael? Well, um, first of all, understand what you want. Um, it has less to do with the franchise than it does with you. Uh, what, what is it truly important to you to do? Um, this whole new emergence of the Dreaming Room, for example, um, really um, revolves around the idea that struck me that this is the age of the new entrepreneur. And the new entrepreneur is very, very much different than the one who uh, preceded him. Uh, the new entrepreneur is more interested in a business that has meaning, um, not just money. 
So the whole question for the new entrepreneur uh, or the uh, one who wants to buy a franchise is really, so what's the meaning of this? What's the impact of this on the world? When we begin to look at the world and, and really realize that the world is in dreadful shape, um, you wonder then how I, in a business of my own, could have a, some kind of impact that would add value to the world. So I begin to look at franchises from that perspective. What's the value of the franchise? Presuming that I'm going to be successful, um, what is the value? What do I deliver that has value to my customer? Um, what pride do I get uh, from what it is I'm doing? Um, what am I adding a benefit to the world as opposed to subtracting from the world, presuming, again, I'm going to be successful? So the first thing is what does this company mean? What is the true meaning of this? And what's the impact and import of it? Um, for me in my life, you know, I'm going to die one day, and um, I'm going to probably die inside my business. And what I'd like to ask myself is, will I be proud of the fact that I devoted the rest of my life to doing this? Right. Would I want to say this to people I love? Would I want to say this to my kids? Um, what am I going to say to them when I describe what I've chosen to do with the years of my life that I'm going to do it in? Because, in fact, you're going to spend the rest of your life in this business or in something very much like it. The second thing I would ask, once I've decided that, yes, this is a worthy thing to do for me, a human being, um, how organized is this thing that I'm going to do? How organized is it? Does it have a truly kick-ass um, breakthrough system for doing what it needs to do, which is attract people to it as customers, which is um, convert those people into active customers and paying customers, and ability to convert those customers into clients, meaning they come back again and again and again and again. So I want to build or buy that capability, or I'm going to then be um, need to build it for myself. Wow. It's a great – we've been asking that question now uh, since we started the show, Michael. We never got such a great response. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so really, uh, you know, don't jump into anything quickly. Do your due diligence, and that's a good point. I mean, this might be something you've been doing for a long time. If, are you going to be proud of right. telling people this is Strong what you words. do? Proud, yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, Marty, you and I have talked about uh, people just – uh, can't jump into something that sounds great. They gotta exactly. Do, 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 yeah, uh, but the, and they, they have to go more deeply into their own motivation. Right. And that's the thing that's missing almost all the time. Um, essentially, the prospective franchisee, um, the guy, the woman who decides they want to buy a business opportunity, essentially they go out there, and the one who pitches the deal the best gets the deal. And I'm essentially saying it's got to turn around the other way. The one who's going out becomes more thoughtful about what I'm looking for as opposed to simply going out and looking for a good business to run. Right, absolutely. So, that's, so that right there might be a, uh, a strong characteristic of a Those are very deep words uh, from Michael. Um, is, is, is talking about the whole, you know, what is this franchise going to mean? Uh, you know, how do 
uh, I want to be remembered. So, uh, again, it's going very deep into that question, but, uh, uh, again, it's, it's one of the best responses I think we've had up to this point. And, uh, again, it is Michael Gerber. You know, he's sold millions of uh, copies. His latest book is uh, Awakening the Entrepreneur Within, and uh, we had uh, Michael on the show several months ago, and uh, we spoke about Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 10 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Nick Friedman, the founder and president of College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving Franchise Opportunity. And College Hunks Hauling Junk is the fastest-growing junk hauling and moving franchise in America. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Marty. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure, Nick. I feel like I know you, you know, because I've been following your franchise for such a long time now, and I think it's such an amazing story. We'd like to ask our guest, where are you calling from this morning, Nick? Uh, I'm in Tampa, Florida, sunny Tampa, Florida, which is uh, the home of our uh, franchise headquarters and, and national call center that uh, books all the uh, appointments for our franchise owners. Oh, fantastic. Is it hot down there today, Nick? You know, it's hot and muggy, and then it rains yes. uh, about midway through the afternoon every day. It's kind of typical Florida Florida summer. It is. That's fantastic. I was saying earlier, Nick, I mean, this is, you know, it's a great story. I mean, you know, when we're talking about college hunks hauling and junk, I mean, you can really go back to, you know, the beginning, you know, and, and your friendship that you had with uh, Omar. Um, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about the history of college hunks hauling and junk. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my business partner and I actually went to high school together. We met in the 10th mm-hmm. grade, actually in detention of all places. And uh, we were always brought up to kind of follow the traditional career path. You got to get good grades. You got to get into college. You got to get a degree and, and get a job. And so we we did manage to get into college. And the summer before our senior year of college, we were back home for summer vacation. And Omar's mom had this beat up cargo van from her small furniture store. And she told uh, yeah. Omar and I that summer, you know, why don't you guys go do something with this? So we were sitting around the living room table, just trying to come up with ways to make the phone ring. And uh, we said, hey, well, what about college hunks hauling junk? And we all just kind of busted out laughing at first. And then we right. kind of looked at each other and said, you know, that's got kind of a catchy ring to it. So we, we put it on computer printout flyers and put it around the mailboxes that summer. And people had a need for the service. They thought the name was catchy. Uh, so is. that's kind of how the uh, the original idea was born. And then obviously a you know, significant uh, amount of uh, events have taken place since then. We, we went back to school our senior year of college and, and wrote a business plan and won first prize out of about 150 entries. So it gave That's us a little great. more confidence in the idea. And right. then uh, when we graduated from college, we you know we got corporate jobs, uh, felt pretty unfulfilled with it, and said, you know what, let's make this a full-time gig. So we've been doing that uh, ever since. That's fantastic. How do you typically describe uh, College Hunks hauling and junk uh, franchise to a prospective franchisee, Nick? Like if you were at a franchise show you know, and someone came up to your booth, I'm sure you get the question a lot. How, how do you typically respond? Sure. So basically at the surface level, we provide trucks and we provide labor to mm-hmm. homeowners and businesses that need stuff moved, either need stuff hauled away to be properly recycled, donated, or disposed of, or to be actually packed up and, and moved uh, you know, across town or, or across state. Uh, so basically at the surface level, we are a moving and junk removal service. 
but you know, beneath the layers, we, we describe ourselves as a very purpose-driven, values-based, and socially conscious organization. So right. uh, we're not just moving people's stuff, but we're moving people's lives. We're making a positive sure. impact in the lives that we touch. Uh, we're building leaders in the young men and women who we hire, you know, the, the college folks that uh, are doing the heavy lifting. So our franchise owners are very much like the professors or the coaches. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a mentorship component uh, to the people that, uh, that they're bringing on board. Uh, and then we're very socially engaged in terms of uh, we actually donate two healthy meals to uh, Feeding Children Everywhere uh, organization for every completed wow. move or junk haul. Uh, so what that does Great. is it really creates a level of community engagement, franchise owner engagement, and then employee engagement uh, and loyalty uh, that allows the business to really stand apart. So it's a bright and colorful brand. It's a catchy, quirky mm-hmm. name. It's bright colors. Yes. Uh, but behind that is, is really a service experience that creates a level of loyalty uh, in the community for our franchise owners. So that's really how we would uh, describe it to a prospective franchisee. It's a fantastic service too, Nick. I mean, it's very important. I mean, you know, from what I understand too, I mean, it's been a while since we, we've moved to Pennsylvania. It's been about 12 years now. But, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a very stressful situation, isn't it, when someone's moving, isn't it? I know it's like in the top, isn't it, like as, as far as stressful situations? <laughs> it it is. So moving is actually number three next to death and divorce as one wow. of the stressful life events. And so we have a very lofty opportunity to remove that stress from the people that are moving. Right. And in many cases, there were somebody's moving. There's also in some cases of death or divorce involved or maybe a downside yeah. situation. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a great opportunity there. Also clutter and junk that piles up in people's homes that we also remove. You know, that's been shown to create anxiety and stress right. uh, with, the, uh, w- with the homeowners or the businesses. So you see the relief on people's faces uh, when, when your team clears out their garage. Now they can park the, uh, the car in the garage again. So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, when we just started with a beat-up car van, we now have over yeah. 100 franchises around the country and wow. uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, amazing to see the impact that it's, uh, that it's had for our, our you know, communities, our clients, our, our franchise owners, and, and our team members. We had, um, we had Michael Gerber on our show three times in, mm-hmm. in over 10 years, um, Nick. And, and, and I know he – has he been an influence on your franchise oh, and my your goodness. life as well? Absolutely. Yes. So uh, when we first started the business, we were doing all the work ourselves. We were making all yeah. the typical mistakes that an entrepreneur makes. And so we were driving the truck. We were answering the phones. We were hauling the junk. You know, people would – we had the 800 number routed to our cell phone, so people would right. call the 800 number to complain about erratic driving, and I'd be the one in the driver's seat, you know, answering the phone <laughs> on the other end, apologizing, saying, you know, we don't condone that type of driving in our company. We tell those guys to be <laughs> safe great. on the road. So we started burning out, and one of our mentors recommended right. Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. We read the book, and it was like a lightning bolt hit us. You know, we needed to start working on the business, not in the business. We needed right. to start creating systems and processes. So we could have a, a second truck, let alone one day a second location. And that was really the framework and foundation for us to be able to franchise our business. Right. Uh, and actually, uh, you know, we, we had the uh, opportunity to meet Michael Gerber at a, a, a Inc. Magazine conference a few years wow. later and, uh, and and made a connection there. And actually, he, he authored the foreword for the book that Omar and I co-authored, oh, wow. uh, Effortless Entrepreneur. Uh, so we were able to get uh, our, our sort of uh, inspirational mentor uh, to, to even write the forward for our book. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah, he, he's been a huge influence, obviously, on the franchise industry, small business as a whole, but, but certainly on our business, uh, uh, you know, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for, uh, for having read his book. 
That's fantastic. It's it's amazing how often we've heard that story on our show in over a decade, Nick. You know, and I think actually this week I think it's his 81st birthday. I'm pretty sure it's this wow. week. You know, I have it somewhere in my calendar. But he he's he's amazing, isn't he? I mean, he's an amazing man. I I just really look you know admire him. You know, and just the impact that he's had on franchising in general. You know, I mean, particularly you know with, with college hunks hauling and junk. You know, so I I think that's fantastic. How has technology played a role in your business? Today, Nick, I mean, no, like in the beginning, it was probably very basic, as, as you were talking mm-hmm. about. You know, what role does technology play today um, in the franchise? You know, t- technology is actually a competitive advantage of ours currently. We've developed yeah. a proprietary software that makes it easier for the client to uh, schedule their appointments. They actually can, almost like an Uber-type feature, see where the trucks are and route to the uh, their home and, and give them some, some uh, convenience and transparency elements to it. We have an awesome uh, routing and, and uh, a metrics uh, program within that, but you're right. When we started, it was a, a notebook paper and and, uh, and ultimately, right. eventually, an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, but we were, uh, you know, and, and actually, when we started, social media didn't even really exist, so you didn't have to worry about you know the client right. engagements or at, you didn't be, have to be as concerned about online reviews. But now we've tried to weave in and and leverage the advantages that technology gives everybody uh, today, which is you know connectivity and and which is uh, convenience and and access and and uh, access to information. So that's really the way we've tried to leverage it, uh, and we've been able to leverage it uh, to our advantage uh, in, in the recent years. And we're going to continue to make that uh, a key driver uh, for our business, so that we can separate ourselves from maybe the independent movers and junk haulers that might get started out there, or even you know our competitors in the uh, in the franchise space. That's terrific. You've had a number of accolades over the years too, Nick. I mean, it's, it's a whole list, you know, to, to, to give all of them would be impossible. But, you know, I know, you know, you've been uh, voted the fastest growing company. Uh, you were in Inc. Magazine. Um, Entrepreneur Magazine frequently has you as, you know, like the uh, franchise opportunities um, in, in their publication. What is that all attributed to? You know, it seems like there's a culture too. Um, you know, at, at college hunks hauling and junk, I, you know, in studying the, the business model, would you say? Yes, absolutely. So so culture is critical to any organization, and, and we've been right. able to, I think, develop a really uh, world-class uh, organization that, that is, you know, creates a lot of vibrancy within it. And ultimately, if you can develop a great culture internally as an organization, your team members and employees are going to be happy. They're going to be delivering a, a positive experience for uh, the actual end user, the customer. And I think that's been kind of the critical piece to some of the different accolades that we received mm-hmm. and a little bit of you know, buzz behind the story and, and, and magic behind the name and the color scheme. But because we can back it up with actual, you know, employee experience and customer experience, I think that's what's created some of the uh, the media attention, uh, some right. of the TV appearances and, and, and news right. articles that have uh, taken place over the years. Uh, there was another book we read early on called The Purple Cow uh, by Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. And he talks about if you're driving down a country road and you see a, a field of brown cows, you keep driving because you've seen that before. But if there's a purple cow, you're going to pull over and you're going to take pictures of it. You're going to put it on social media. You're going to tell your friends and neighbors about it. And right. so really what that means, he's saying you got to be remarkable. you got to figure out a way to stand out. So obviously with a name like College Hunk Falling Junk and the yes. colors of bright orange and green, the, the, the brand itself sizzles. But we've got to have some stake within that. And, and we believe our stake is the, the company culture, our core values, our company purpose. That, that gets people, you know, motivated to want to make our right. vision a reality and not just come in and, you know, for the junk haulers or the movers, just move people's stuff or uh, for, for our call center agents, just answer the phone. We want people to be passionate about what they're doing. Right. So I think those are the things that have set us apart 
in uh, you know, in, in, in an industry, quite frankly, where you know anybody could grab a truck and, and put a logo on it. So we've right, got to really right. do uh, some intentional things to, to to set ourselves apart. I think that's what's been the key. Your history, Nick, you know, one of the pieces of advice is, you know, we've been giving to our listeners over the last decade is, you know, to, to look towards the industry. This is a pretty big industry, right? I don't know what the numbers are, but are, are there any, like, numbers as far as how big the industry actually is? It is. So so we've done some studies and, and found that the local uh, moving and junk removal industry uh, combined is, is approximately 11 to $12 billion, with a B, That's billion incredible. dollars. And, uh, you know, so, so there's a lot of market share out there. There's really no major – uh, 800-pound gorilla that, that owns a, a, right. a big chunk of it, uh, which is main. You know, it, it's it's I think a fragmented industry uh, that ha- does have a lot of mediocre uh, service expectations and right. service delivery. So that makes it ripe for opportunity. If you can, you know, provide a, a consistent brand experience, a consistent service experience, uh, you're going to create that loyalty. And I always uh, emphasize what I call the three R's: repeat business, referral business, and reputation online. And if you can really capture and 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 uh, master the loyalty from the community with those three R's, uh, the business is right. going to grow and flourish, and, and you're going to capture market share. So uh, we, we don't think we've even scratched the surface yet as a brand in the markets that we do service, uh, but we do think there's a huge opportunity for us to do so in, in this industry. One of the questions I'd like to ask someone like yourself when we have you on the show, Nick, is, you know, what's been, and it's a tough question, one of the most interesting things that, that's happened to you since launching the business? I mean, I'm sure you have a hundred stories, so to narrow it down to one is probably pretty tough, but does anything stand out, you know, since you've launched it? You know, one of the most memorable moments was actually we appeared on the very first episode of the very first season of Shark Tank on ABC. Yes, I saw that. And uh, this was this was shortly after the recession, so we were still – you know, kind of grinding our way through it. We had maybe five or six franchises in our system, and, you know, the, the, the recession in the housing market had had crashed, and so we were, you know, worried if we were going to be able to make it through. And uh, we had seen an ad in Inc. Magazine looking for people to pitch TV show or pitch businesses for a TV show. And so we went on there, and we were actually uh, at the time trying to figure out ways to, to you know, diversify our income stream. So we were pitching right. a sister company. We were going to call it College Foxes Packing Boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was just an idea at the time, kind of silly, and in reality, it never ended up working. Uh, right, but right. one of the sharks, Robert, made us an investment. He wanted equity in college hunks as his collateral, and we yeah. made the hard decision to actually, actually turn down that offer. Uh, wow. and, and we didn't know what to expect going into the show because we had never seen right. it before. But, you know, what what an experience to look back on and, you know, certainly memorable. It reruns every now and again on, on CNBC uh, on yeah. their uh, you know, their reruns. And so and that, that was certainly stands out in my mind as one of those sort of like, you know, wow moments of, of business ownership where we were on national TV and it's a show now that's, you know, been hugely pop, become hugely popular. Right. Sort of, I think made entrepreneurship kind of at the forefront of, of pop culture. Yes. Uh, so, so that certainly stands out for me as, uh, as one of those sort of, you know, unique and, and memorable moments in, in our business's uh, history. What um, you know, the majority of our listeners, we call them Nick. We call them aspiring franchisepreneurs. What types of characteristics do you look for in your franchisees? You know, uh, what I like to say is there's four F's when considering mm-hmm. a, a franchise, which is also I guess starts with a letter F. So you know, there's mm-hmm. four F's that come out of a franchise, and I think this is what a prospective franchise should think of when they're considering what franchise they want to pursue. And this is, quite frankly, I think what franchisors should consider when they're evaluating a prospective franchisee. Uh, so right. the first F is fit. Is fit. You know, do they mm-hmm. fit? In, in other words, do they have transferable skills that can make them effective at this business? Have they done anything in their prior professional uh, or personal lives 
uh, that would make them uh, be successful in this type of business. Uh, the second piece is the family side. In other words, does their family uh, support them in them pursuing this endeavor, right. whether it's their husband or wife or uh, uh, kids or, or parents? You know, do they believe in them? Because you don't want things to get tough in their inner circle to say, I told you so. You want them to, you know, right. kind of cheer them on to get through it. Uh, the financial piece is important. In other words, are they capitalized yeah. to be able to invest in the opportunity, and do they have realistic uh, financial expectations? And then the last F is the fun factor. You know, can we have fun working with this individual? You know, franchises yeah. very much like a partnership, even though that's not typically called that. Uh, so it, you got to have, you know, an alignment of vision and values to be able to enjoy uh, working together. So that's really what we look for. You know, we, we want people that believe in the secret sauce that we've already developed. Mm -hmm. We don't want somebody to come tell us that they think it should be done differently. Uh, we want them to tell us that they believe in, 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 in what we've created. And, and sure, we would, you know, want to continuously improve and encourage ideas, but uh, not, you know, we want folks that believe in the system and are going to execute the system rather than trying to shortcut success by doing it, uh, you know, doing it their own way. And I think that's, you know, really no different in our system than any other franchise uh, uh, model that, that is, uh, is going to be successful long-term. They need to really take into account those factors. That's Yeah, no, that's great, Nick. We have this uh, great quote in Franchising Podcast. Anytime we hear, you know, Michael Gerber has been in there a couple of times, but we're going to put that one in there because I haven't heard that in, in, in over a decade, and I, I, I think that's great advice to our listeners. It's really fantastic because it's true. I mean, you could really – your business, you could teach to anybody, couldn't you? I mean, pretty much, you know. It, but, you know, it's interesting in putting those factors in there, you know, like family support, you know, and even as fun. I haven't heard that, you know, but it should be an enjoyable business. And, you know, because it is a stressful situation for the customers, I guess you got to be able to put a smile on your customer's face, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, there, as you know, there's over 3,000 franchise opportunities out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to separate one from the other? It's, it's got to be something that you can enjoy. And I guess I'll grab another F out of there. I'm, I'm on a roll here. Fulfillment. You know, is, is it something that, yes. uh, you know, we're going to be fulfilled doing day in and day out? Because I think franchising is a lot, a lot like a gym membership. You know, if you join a gym and you've got fitness yeah. goals, you're getting access to all types right. of equipment, personal trainers, coaches, workout groups, but you still got to go and show up and do the work. So if you buy a franchise, you're getting access to the business model in a box. You're getting access to trainers, coaches, you know, fellow franchisees that you can, you know, hold each other accountable with, but you still got to show up and put in the effort to, uh, to execute that business model. So uh, that's where I think those, those factors come into play. Once you decide that, you know, you do like them, you know, and they like you, Nick, you know, and, and there is a fit, you know, what is the training like? I mean, do they typically come to Florida for training? How does that work? Yes. So we do a week-long training at our headquarters in Tampa, and it's very uh, interactive and, and hands-on and engaging. And it's really a train-the-trainer type model because most, I would say majority, if not all, of our franchise owners, uh, we never want them to really ever step foot on the truck. You know, they're working on the business from day one, not in it. So right. we want them to have the mindset of I'm, I'm, I'm hiring the college guys to do the heavy lifting. I'm training mm -hmm. these guys to be great representatives of my brand uh, when they show up in the people's houses to move their stuff. Uh, so that's really the way our training is focused on, is, is training uh, our franchisees to be mentors and coaches and leaders uh, that develop a team within their market to go and, and provide a great uh, experience for the customers. So the week-long training, uh, we start with just kind of an introduction to the brand and the culture, and then we go into uh -huh. the technical things like hiring and training, marketing and sales, right. uh, the technical aspect of teaching their guys how to load and move items. Uh, and, and the IT side of the business and, and our call center and, and how they interact with, with that component of the business as well. So it's a week-long in-house, and then we actually provide field training within the first three months. We send out a, a ramp-up coach, we call them, uh, to spend two or three days with our new franchise owners 
to make sure their sales and marketing is, is, is tuned in properly to make sure they're right. executing the model that they learned at training. And, of course, we do ongoing coaching calls, webinars. We do an annual conference. Uh, we do other field visits throughout the year. So it, it really never uh, – training never stops. It, it, it's That's an great. ongoing process. It's not an event. That's so important. You and Omar are working more on the business instead of in the business, but you, you know what a typical day is like because, you, you know, you were doing it for a long time, Nick. What, how would you describe a typical day for a college hunks hauling uh, junk franchisee? So a, t- a typical franchisee uh, is, is, is going to be sort of, the like I said, the head coach or the general manager mm-hmm. of their team. So uh, right. they're going to get up in the morning. They're going to go to the office. They're going to print out the job sheets for that day, meet their crew, uh, that morning and, and give them their assignments for the day. So they'll give them the keys, okay. they'll give them the clipboard, and they'll give them the uh, the job sheet. So the team will go out to do their work, and the franchise owner is then going to be, uh, you know, checking in with the, with the team throughout the day, but really uh, going out to try to build more relationships with real estate agents, property managers, uh, assisted living facilities, uh, channel partners that could use our service on a regular basis. So that's kind of the activities that we want our franchise owners doing is, is networking and building relationships. It's not a sales role because you're not selling something they need today, but it's really sort of a relationship-building uh, role. And, again, they might spend an hour during the day uh, recruiting and hiring more team members to make sure they keep the bench te- deep and keep uh, a field of A players uh, that they can train and, and send out to be the movers and haulers. So, uh, really, I would say uh, hiring and training and coaching is, is one key hat that the franchise owner uh, wears, uh, and then uh, networking and, and relationship building in the community is probably the other key hat that the, uh, the franchise owner wears, and, and that's what a typical day might look like, is sending the crew off to do their work uh, and then going out and building those relationships or, or recruiting more team members uh, uh, to, uh, to continue to grow with the business. That's terrific. I know you and uh, Omar do a lot of, you know, planning, you know, and, and, and you know, looking towards, you know, the future uh, of the franchise. What are College Hunks uh, hauling and junk's plans for the future, Nick? I mean, where do you see the organization maybe three to five years down the road? Sure. Great question. So, you know, we expect to actually have more growth here in the next three years than it, we did in the first 12 uh, wow. And really, that's a testament to our team and to our franchise right. that we have in the system. So we've got about 100 franchisees currently. We should have 200 within the next three years. Uh, and our system-wide revenue, uh, you know, currently is, is right hovering around $80 million for this year, uh, or should be around $80 million for this year, which will translate to close an average of, per franchise of close to a million in, in top-line sales. Uh, the majority of our franchise owners might own two or three zones. So we really right. want to drive our per-unit revenue up to a million per zone. That's where we think we can get it uh, from an organic growth perspective. So, you know, that's really just the focus is continuing to invest in, in uh, brand development, continuing to invest in, in converting uh, the leads that come through uh, and maximizing the service delivery. Uh, that's our vision. We don't want to get uh, uh, distracted with, with new shiny objects. We want to stay focused and, and continue to execute to maximize the, uh, the opportunity of the, of the model that we have in front of us. That's terrific. You must get the question a lot, too. You know, it, it's interesting because there's a story behind it, too, Nick, you know, and, and I'm sure you get the question a lot, you know, of, of working with Omar because he was your friend before all of this actually <laughs> happened, you know. What, what's that experience yeah. like, I mean, working with, with a, a good friend? You know, it is it is a blessing, a true blessing yeah. uh, that we've been, you know, best friends since high school, you know, and, and business partners for over a decade. And so I've known him for almost, you know, a little over 20 years. Wow. From time to time, we you know we were told that we bicker like an old married couple, but you know, <laughs> cause we've been you know with this business for so long. I think the key right. uh, for any any partnership has been that our vision and our values mm-hmm. have always been in alignment, and we've always that been able so to important. communicate that to each other 
in, in a way where even if we disagree on, you know, a tactic or a strategy here or there, uh, we're able to communicate enough to get back and just, you know, get back to focus and get back to the vision that, and the path that we're on. So it's been a lot of fun uh, to be able to have that journey with somebody who started out as a friend. I know you, a lot of times you hear horror stories about right, family right. and friends that, you know, kind of break up due to the business uh, stresses that, that take place of entrepreneurship. Uh, but we've been, I guess, some of the lucky ones to be able to navigate through it. But I, I really do credit the vision and values being in alignment and the fact that we communicate so openly and trust each other so openly that, you know, we, we've never had a, a – a breakdown in those uh, in those key right. key pillars of the relationship. What's the, what's the best way for our listeners, Nick, to get more information on becoming uh, you know a franchisee or even the service in general for a college hunks sure. hauling and junk? I mean, is there any website that you like them to go to? Absolutely. So we have all of our information on collegehunksfranchise.com. That's collegehunksfranchise.com. And, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, some, some great reports that help uh, illustrate the industry and the opportunity behind uh, this business model. So I uh, would love for uh, the listeners to come check us out. That's fantastic. I really enjoyed having you on the show, Nick. As, as I said, I've been following you, so I feel like I know you a bit, you know, and following <laughs> your franchise, you know. So it's a privilege and an honor for me to finally have you on the show. And, you know, I'd love to have you guys back as you continue to grow because I think you have a wonderful franchise opportunity. Absolutely. Marty, thanks for what you're doing for the franchise industry and appreciate the opportunity. Uh, You're welcome. It's been my pleasure, Nick. And we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews, from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking for entrepreneurs along one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with John Ferricutti, the chief operating officer of Been There, Dump That. And Been There, Dump That has been in the dumpster rental industry since 2004. Hi, John. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Marty. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, the pleasure is mine, John. We would like to ask our guests where you're calling from this morning, John. I'm here in beautiful Toronto, Ontario, and uh, we're in the west end of the city here, and uh, it's a lovely day, and um, I'm looking forward to the interview. That's fantastic. You know, I always have friends that go up to uh, Canada um, this time of year, John. I always understand, like, the weather's like, they always say it's almost like perfect this time of year up in Canada. It's beautiful, you know. It's it's if you've never been up and visited with us, I think you'd be surprised at uh, at the beautiful summers that we have here. And uh, yeah, I I would invite anybody to come up and and experience Toronto. That's fantastic. You have an, a great background too, John. You know, I was impressed. You know, for for a number of different reasons. One, I mean, it looked like you you, you know you have a background in franchising. Of course, I, I understand that you were a franchisee at one point. Maybe you know you could talk a little bit about yourself and your franchise career. Sure, I'd love to. Um, you know, I'm going to go right back. To my first job out of college was with Xerox, and, uh, you know, I was a sales and marketing uh, representative with Xerox. And I bring that up because mm-hmm. I think really that um, that was where I learned the importance in business of communication and customer service. And, 
You know, um, if there's one thing that I know, it doesn't matter what business you're in, people do business with people they like. And I really right. feel like that's where it started for me, you know. Um, from there, I got into uh, small business. I, I, I did a whole bunch of different things. Um, I got into property management. I managed some commercial uh, mixed-use properties here in Toronto for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was doing that, um, my my career in small business and in franchising started kind of at the same time. I, I opened uh, I opened uh, a couple of bar and restaurants um, with partners, and I also became the first Canadian franchise operator um, for another concept. Uh, if you don't mind me saying it, it was called the Handle with Care Packaging Store, and I did that in 1993. Okay. And that was where I was oh, wow. introduced to franchising, and. Um, you know, it was uh, for me. Uh, I always had an entrepreneurial mind, and I wanted to be in business. Mm-hmm. But I applied my sales and marketing um, background that I had learned at Xerox and, and in the property management right. business, and and um, and I found that by taking uh, some some pretty pretty uh, straightforward um, sales and marketing strategies, I was able to have mm-hmm. some real good success with my franchise business, and. Um, Kind of came on the radar of our fran- of the franchisor at that time, and they started to use me on the support side to go out and, and speak to other franchise operators about sales and marketing, and that's when I was introduced to the franchisor side of business. And um, to make a long story short, I ended up uh, selling my my franchise so that I could concentrate 100% on um, on training and working with the other franchise operators on the support mm-hmm. side. I also got into doing some franchise development for for that company, which was lots of fun. Um, and and that was when I sort of moved from one side of the franchise industry desk as a franchisee to the other side as a franchisor. And uh, and I still look back on uh, on my experience as a franchisee and small business owner um, every day when I go to work now. Uh, now that I'm a franchise on the franchisor side, if you would. So, um, and in 2007, uh, I, I met. Uh, Mike Kernigan and Mark Crossett mm-hmm. uh, from Been There, Dump That, and uh, started to work uh, here for this company in February of 2008, and uh, just having a wonderful, wonderful time. That's fantastic. I mean, it must be great for you too, John. You know that you know you have that empathy for the franchisee, you know, and that can't always be said, you know, on our show. You know, we've done like almost like 500 interviews up to this point, and I imagine that that. All that experience, even going back to Xerox, you know, it, it certainly helps you, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I every day when I come in, I, I'm constantly um, thinking of that franchisee perspective um, because that's my history. Right. And you know, right. and I think that for the most part, it, it really serves serves me well in in the role that I'm in because. Um, you know, let's face it. Uh, every franchise network is uh, is a team. Um, and uh, and all the members of the team have to contribute equally, and uh, and there's a lot more franchise operators in our on our team than there are people on the franchise sure. side. So uh, I mean, the strength of us, really, frankly, in any franchise organization, is is the franchise operator. That's great. What do what do you like most about franchising, John? I mean, the majority of our listeners, you know, we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. It seems like most of them have it in their mind that they want to get into franchising. What was it that you liked most about franchising? Uh, you know, it's it's. I just mentioned it's the whole it's the whole idea of working as part of a team and. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, you could be the greatest small business owner in the world and, and have great success locally, but when you have other people who are like-minded, who have uh, similar goals, right. who are also working in their mm-hmm. market to achieve the same things that you are, then then your efforts are just increased exponentially, right? And so right, for me, um, I believe the ability to follow a proven model by a group of people all trying to aspire to the same thing is just is just tremendously strong. Sure. That's great. Been there, done that is one of those, you know, in doing, you know, again, you know, five, almost 500 shows, John, you know, this was one of the concepts when I was studying. I said, God, why didn't I think of that? You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's so clever, you know, for, for so many different reasons. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the story of, of, of been there, dump that, you know, how it got started and, you know, and, and all that other good stuff. Sure. I'd love to. Um, the the uh the idea and the company itself was started by uh a good friend of mine now his name is Mark Crossett he was working mm-hmm. as a uh, as a general contractor doing um residential remodeling uh and renovation jobs so he was doing kitchens bathrooms basements stuff like that and one of the big challenges he found in that business um was that when he called a dumpster company and had to get rid of the debris uh, it was just a big hassle, you know. They would uh, sure. oftentimes uh, not show up on time, and then when they did, it was a big gold, uh, you know, triaxle truck that was belching diesel uh, exhaust up the street, and and you know, very large rusted out dumpsters. It, it was just mm-hmm. not a nice experience. It was difficult. So, right. Um, he had this idea: why don't we make this a, a much easier, nicer, more friendly experience? Right. And and he came up with the idea smaller trucks, smaller dumpsters. Right. Make sure everything looks good, make sure the driver's polite and in a uniform and all the you know, seems to be simple stuff, but stuff that really isn't done very well in our industry. So he started right. right. And uh very quickly his uh his dumpster business that he named Ben There Dump That um started to take up an awful lot more time than his uh, contracting business, so he just started doing that. Wow! Um, yeah, great. Then one day, the name is very uh, clever, a... by the way. You have to. G- I was going to say, John, you have to give him a lot of uh, credit for the name too. I'm sure you get a lot of uh, positive comments on the name. I do Absolutely. think it, it, it's so clever from a marketing perspective. I said, God, that's brilliant. Well, thank you for saying that. And you're right. I mean, it's it's amazing how many people you introduce yourself and you give the name, and they just either smile or even sometimes they just will chuckle. You know. <laughs> They get it. It's funny, and and it's memorable too. So, and and, and yeah. Mark Crossett was the guy that came up with that name. But um, that's great. You know, then what happened was uh, there was a flood at a company, uh, the home office of a company called Weedman Lawn Care, mm-hmm. and you'll know that Weedman Lawn Care is a very successful franchise uh, company in sure, North America yeah. in the lawn care. So, anyways, they had a flood in the basement, and um, they had to clean out some carpet and gravel and all that kind of stuff, and this uh, dumpster showed up and said, been there, dumped that on the side. And, and uh, that's how Mark Crossett was introduced to Mike Kernigan. And, and Mike, uh, oh, his see. background is entirely in franchising and specifically with Weedman Lawn Care. And, um, and so in getting to know each other, uh, they start talking about business. Mike always had his eyes, uh, eyes out looking for you know new concepts and ideas. And that's how Been There Dumped That was born as a franchisor. And um, so just a chance meeting where, uh, you know, uh, and, and you know what, people do business with people they like. 
and and that's basically right. how that happened. So, and that was uh, they started franchising in 2004. So, um, between 04 and the uh, sort of middle to end part of 07, they they added some franchises slowly. Um, you know, but they really needed somebody to come uh, to come on board and, and take the reins. Mark was still working as a franchisee, and continues to this day to work as a franchisee. Um, wow. And so, you know, they brought me on in the beginning part of 2008, um, specifically because they just needed they needed somebody to take the reins specifically for this brand. And um, right. you know, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, and and so I started in 2008. Now, at the time, um, we're part of a family of franchise companies uh, that that all fall fall under um, the umbrella of a company called That Franchise Group, and okay. um, they would they, you know they include companies like Weedman Lawn Care, us, um, sure. we're the Canadian uh, we're the Canadian master franchise for uh, some some other U.S. franchise companies um so there's there's actually six companies underneath the umbrella they're all in the sort of home services business so right. um they're related in that way and um and yeah and it works really well because uh, we can share common practices and and and, and marketing mm-hmm. ideas and all that kind of stuff between the companies and that works really well we um Fantastic. and you, i was going to say too i mean you've done a very good job too john i mean i've understand that you know uh, been there, done that has officially reached. I think you're over a hundred units at this point, which is really it's it's a milestone in franchising, isn't it? I mean, not a lot of franchise companies actually reach that 100 point mark, do they? Uh, you know, they really they don't, Marty. I, I'm so proud of this because we, um, you know, this is a very unofficial statistic, but I've spoken with a number of people at the IFA. Who, um, who have all told me that uh, this, the statistic, the statistic is that less than 20% of all franchisors right. reach 100 units, and so yes. for us to do that, we're very, very proud of it. But now, but I have to tell you, it was a goal, um, and uh, we we took been there, dumped that, and entered the United States with it in 2011, um, and uh, and and we're very proud of um, us being a small Canadian company to enter the United States without. Uh, without the benefit of a, a master in the U.S. Or, or, or really any financing that we had to go get, we, we financed the whole thing uh, internally here using the um, the proceeds of the Canadian business, and um, right. and we now have. I'm, I'm very happy to tell you we have uh, we have um, many more U.S. franchise locations than we do Canadian, and I wow. say that uh, I say that without. Um, upsetting the Canadians because we understand sure, that the difference is, you know, is so much, so much bigger down in the U.S. Of course, that's fantastic. Did Mike know initially, John, that um, you know, it seems like franchising is such a good fit for been there, done that because it seems like, I mean, the concept can be duplicated anywhere, and it, and it seems very, um, not to oversimplify it, but it seems like it's a, it's a very simple process, isn't it? Um, yeah, I say it all the time. It, it's it's a very simple business model, but it's certainly mm-hmm. not easy, you know. Right. And no small right. business is easy. And sure. um, we we occupy a a little niche in the um, in the trash hauling industry in North America. I mean, this is a massive industry, forty five billion dollars yeah. in sales a year in trash wow. hauling. And yeah, and so you know, we only need our little little piece, <laughs> and. And the sure, piece that we occupy um, 
is 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 what we call the residential friendly dumpsters. So we um, 95% of everything that you'll see that we do is is at someone's home, typically in a driveway. Um, but we do we are able to you know put bins uh, on the street if we need to. But um, right. we work with homeowners and contractors who are working for a homeowner. So um, okay. anyone who's doing a home project. So things like kitchens, uh, bathroom renovation or remodeling, um, if you need a new roof, if you're doing some work outside, even if you're just ripping out your back deck or cleaning out your garage and you need to get rid of waste. Um, and that's what we do. It, it's really it's so clever, John. We had, um, you know, in our neighborhood, we had one of those big, you know, dumpsters. It, it just seemed like it was there forever. And, and it just seems like the neighbors start to resent it after a while because it's yeah, so big do. and it's so bulky and it's rusty and it just doesn't look nice, does it? You know, and that's what it was the spark for me when I was reading about been there, dumped out. I mean, it's so clean, you know, it's nice and colorful. You guys have that nice green color, you know, and there's just there's so many great uh, aspects about it. And, and I guess, you know, that's what Mike was, was, you know, that was his niche, wasn't it? That was absolutely it. And, you know, it was, um, and you're right. If you put one of our dumpsters in your driveway in your neighborhood, um, your neighbors are going to look at it, and instead of grumbling, when are they going to get rid of that ugly right. thing? They're going to chuckle because you're right; it's it's going to be freshly painted. We, by the way, part of our business model is that the dumpsters get um, get refurbished on a regular basis so that they're 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 good, they look nice. Um, we protect the driveway with a very unique and and uh, and proprietary method of protecting the driveway, so the dumpster itself never even touches the driveway um right we uh we deliver with a with a small and agile vehicle that's kind of looks like a tow truck um so we can sure. get in and out of type spaces and 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 uh doesn't the truck does not look out of place in a residential setting and then you know probably the best part about it is our drivers are are uniformed they are yes. able to communicate they um you know they're they're polite and they have manners and they understand customer service because you know, if I didn't tell you already, I believe strongly that people do business with people they like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. It, it, yeah, and it's, it's the communication aspect is being, you know, very professional and things of that nature. You know, I, I think that's that's such an important part of, of, of the business. And the bins come in different sizes too, don't they, John? You know, I was thinking of, you know, this yeah. whole thing from um, a re- Pete sell, you know, type of situation where I imagine that, you know, you, with this type of model, you would have a higher repeat sell. I was thinking more of like a spring cleaning type of situation, you know, where, you know, it, it can almost become like an annual thing for, for a lot of your residential customers, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually really funny you say that because that was a piece of the business that I really didn't expect and, and that we've, mm-hmm. we've found uh, over the years that this was like a nice little added bonus to, to what we found is that a lot of homeowners are actually using our dumpsters as a regular part of their home maintenance spring cleaning. And, right. you, know, every, you know, we thought that a homeowner would uh, call us once and then we, we may not hear from them again for years, but that's not the case at all. And, in fact, you know what a lot of people do is uh, we found is that they'll uh, split the cost with, uh, with a couple of neighbors. And so, like, three three neighbors will get together and, this year I get it in my driveway, and next year you get it in your driveway, and then every sure, spring we, uh, you know, split the cost, and and it turns yeah. out to be a regular part of our spring cleaning stuff, and and that's a that's a neat part of the business, and and you know you get to know people too, and and um, right, 
and a lot of our business is with people that we work with all the time. So you're absolutely right. And then, you know, and then another lot of our business is done with contractors who are working at people's homes. Mm-hmm. And the contractors right. love us because they know exactly what they're getting when they call us. We answer the phone. Right. We deliver on time. Uh, sometimes, more importantly, we pick up on time. You know, can you imagine a homeowner does a kitchen renovation and it's Friday right. and the renovation's been done for a few days and they're and they're you know they want to have their friends and family over for a dinner party, let's sure. say, to show off their brand new kitchen, and they can't get the dumpster company to pick up that ugly old rusted rust bucket out of the out of the driveway. So you know they know that they can right. call us and within typically within an hour or two we can have that thing picked up. And not only we pick it up, but we'll sweep the driveway for them to make sure that it's nice and clean when we leave. That's fantastic. It's so important. Maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, franchising, John. I, I mean, who does, you know, this particular business model attract? I mean, who is your, I guess you could say, your your ideal um, franchisee? You know, that's a great question. Um, we look for people with a generic business background, and, and they seem to be the people that are attracted to us. Um, we've got I mean, we got lawyers in the system. We've got engineers in the system. We've got, wow. you know, you name it. Um, what we don't have is a lot of people that come out of the waste disposal industry. Um, interesting, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, we, but people with customer service background like it. Um, we do have a number of engineers in our system and, and that have had good success, and I believe that's due to the fact that, that engineers like systems, and right. ours is a is a very specific. So we have systems for all the different aspects of the business, you know, um, whether it be operations, marketing support, all that kind of stuff. We're we're, we're a systems company, so. When we um, when we get a new franchise operator into uh, into our network, um, a lot of people who are attracted to that systems idea like like what we have to show them because um, uh, you know it's very straightforward. Uh, it is a little bit unique, in, in, especially sure. in our industry. But you know, systems is I think what is very important too. That's fantastic. This been there, done that has gotten some, you know, pretty good. I guess you could say public relations too. I mean, there was one um, show on cable, wasn't there, um, John? Uh, you know, yeah. that actually featured been there, done that. There's actually a number of them. Um, so we've worked with a number of the uh, of the very popular, you know, cable TV shows that that, right. that deal with home home rentals and stuff. So um, I might be doing a little name dropping here, but. First, we worked with Mike Holmes and the Homes on Homes show. We did that for sure. uh, almost 10 years, and uh, that was a wonderful relationship. And, and um, we, we've also worked, uh, we work with the Property Brothers, and the Property Brothers has been a fantastic relationship for us, and we continue to work with them. Um, we work with another TV show called Listed Sisters. And uh, anyways, you know, we, it's, it's been wonderful for us because it allows us to donate our, our services um, and rather than, uh, I don't know if they're going to love us saying this, but it's it's more about mm-hmm. product placement than it is buying advertising. So, sure. Um, and and we fit so well with our with our concept and our business model, the way we do things for these television shows, because you know our bin, our logo, and everything looks good on the television, and um, and they yeah. can count on us to give them great service. So, yeah. And we've done I that th- in th- markets sh- all over North America. 
Yeah, I think those shows help the industry too, don't they, John? You know, I mean, I think it helps like create oh, yeah. awareness, you know, for the industry. You know, I, I think that it's very clever. You know, um, you know, I mean, I know I've become aware, you know, of your industry just by you know watching some of these shows. I say, you know, God, why don't we do that? You know, I mean, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's and people love those shows. They're very. Popular. They are. They're very interesting, aren't they? They just—they yeah. are fantastic. What, what? How would you describe a typical day for our listeners, John? You know, people. You know, they're—they're they're listening. They're saying, "Wow, you know, this sounds like a great concept." What is a typical day like as a franchisee for Been There, Done That? Yeah. So, um, you might think uh, a, a typical day for a franchisee might be, you know, driving around in a truck, but that's—that's that's really not the right. case. Um, we um, we look for people that uh, don't want to be driving the truck, to be honest, because um, we don't we want them to be working on the business, right? Not in the business, uh, sure. the old cliche. But um, right. we do we do want them to start for the first little while inside the truck, so that they understand exactly how that operation side works, and and they do. Um, we like to see our franchise operator move out of the vehicle and into the uh, into the operation of the business. Um, usually at around the three-month mark, to be honest, so, so really sure. fairly quickly after starting. So um, a typical day for a franchise operator would uh, would start in the morning with some operational kind of things like dispatching, um, scheduling pickups and deliveries, um, and, and all that sort of thing. But then it would quickly move into uh, allowing the office manager inside salesperson to take that stuff on and then and then getting you know into what we really see as the important uh the important aspect of being a franchise operator in our system and that's building the relationships out there in the community that turn into business um it's it's meeting and and getting to know the the uh, contractors in your area it's being coming active in uh the local contractors association we're we're very active members of uh, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. We're very active there. Um, we always coach and work with our franchise operators to get involved in the local chamber of commerce um, and become active. And, and you know, those are the things that turn into business. And, and although it may not happen overnight, uh, if you're good at that kind of thing and you're persistent at it and you're consistent with it, it always turns into relationships that turn into business. And so a franchise operator would spend a good chunk of their day doing that now that's not to say that they wouldn't hop in and answer the phone and and, and talk to customers during the day as well because that happens mm-hmm. for sure uh and in fact you also have to be ready if somebody calls in sick to hop in a truck and make some deliveries that day if you have to so it's um you know i find that our franchise operators uh love the ability to be interacting with people all day long and um, they love the what I call the simplicity of our business model. Um, right. And again, you know, no small business is easy. You you know that, you know. But sure. Um, when you have a good model and you're following the model, um, it it does make uh, make it a little bit e- easier. What about the office type of situation, John? I mean, do do the majority of your franchisees have, you know, do they rent an office or is it something that they can work from a home office? I mean, how does how does that work? Yeah, the majority of our franchise operators start out of a home office while they're right. building their business. Um and that's really an advantage for us. I mean, I mean, sure. you know, it's an inexpensive investment to get going because you can start of your out of your home. We really right. recommend that once they get to the two truck level in their business, then it's right. then it's time to be 
um, to be on the lookout into moving into an office because by the time you get to three trucks, then you really have to be in an office. You know, if that makes of sense. Of course, right. You know, sure it does. You can, you can wear a lot of hats as a small business owner when you're small, but as you grow, if you continue to try to wear all those same hats, it's going to stunt your growth. And you really have to start bringing on uh, office management and, and people that can you can delegate to um, and move into right. an office and all that. And that's how we plan it out with our franchise operators. So, so we like to see them in an office, usually by the end of the first year, beginning of the second year. Now, that said, we also have some franchise operators that have made the commitment to renting office space right out of the gate as they're opening, um, and that works really well, too. So you can do it either way. That's great. What happens to a lot of the, I guess you could say the junk, John? I mean, does any of it get recycled, or does it go to a landfill? I mean, how does that work? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good question, and and uh, we get it all the time. So anything that can be recycled is typically recycled. So okay. we, wow. we, when we go dump, um, when we dump whatever load we have, um, 99% of the time it's dumped at a facility that will separate and recycle the recyclable. Oh, that's great. And, and yeah, so and we're pretty. I mean, we're we know how important that is. I mean, you know, it's 2016. Sure. You, you can't just fill landfills yeah. anymore. So, so <laughs> right. we work with companies. Um, now, it's, now we don't do it ourselves. We we dump at at sure. third party. You know, but we always make sure that there's the ability to uh, to recycle when we can. And so, um, and you know, wood gets separated, and uh, drywall gets separated, and metals get separated, and all that stuff. And then, uh, typically, when we when we uh, when we do leave a, a load, uh, very little of it actually ends up in a landfill. That's fantastic. You've been involved in franchising for a long time now, John. You know, and one of the questions we like to ask people like yourself when we have you know someone like you on the show is, you know, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise? Because we find from doing the show such a long time now that you know a lot of them are really confused because there's just there seems to be so much out there today. You know, I mean, there's opportunities here in the U.S., there's opportunities in Canada, and yep. even other franchise opportunities international. So it gets a little bit overwhelming. So, I mean, from everything you know up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise? Yeah, you're right. Um, especially now with the Internet, you can get overwhelmed. Uh, oh, you know, just yeah. search franchising on Google. You know, here's sure. my, my experience. Um First of all, I would say um, look for a franchisor that wants to give you as much information as possible because in right. order to make an educated decision, you have to educate yourself. And so sure. I would say you know, the best franchisors are the ones that want to give you as much information as possible. They're not trying to hide anything. They're open. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want the open book franchisor. So that's the first thing. Um, I would say right. – Try to match your personality with the business. I mean, you know, if if you're the kind of person that, that gets up early in the morning and goes to bed at nine o'clock at night, you don't want to be in the restaurant bar business. You know, if sure, you're, you want to be in a home service type business, you know, do you, do right. you want to be dealing with a lot of employees? Um, and if you do, retail would be great for you. But if that's not something you want to do, then look for a, comp- a type of business that that doesn't require a lot of employees. So, I mean, it sounds simple, but it, it sometimes people lose sight of that. So find a business that, that matches your personality. And, and then, um, you know, do your due diligence. 
You know, don't, sure. don't fluff over any of it. And, and I find that the most important thing you can do is talk to franchise operators in the system. Yeah. You know, you really got to get on the phone, and, and email's not good enough. You know, Mario, everybody relies right. on email these yeah. days. Get on the telephone <laughs> yeah. and talk to these people, really, because right. you'll hear it in their voice whether they are enjoying what they're doing or not. Don't you Don't you agree? Exactly. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I think that's yeah. the best form of communication. Still, it's it's old school, isn't it, John? But I still think that's still <laughs> the most effective. Absolutely. And then you know, then, then the last great. thing is once you make your decision and you get into the system, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote my my good buddy um, uh, Greg Yon, and Greg is our uh, director of franchise support here, and I've, I've he and I were franchisees. Uh, years and years ago together and I actually stole him over to work for us but he says it all the time it's the basic blocking and tackling you know follow the yeah. model in, especially in the first year invest in something you believe in and then follow right. the mo- follow the model and y- and you'll have success and you know I, and again well, that sounds simple but it's sometimes sure. <laughs> people lose track of that it works Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you had you've had this milestone, John. I mean, you, you you've hit the 100 franchise unit unit mark, and so I mean, what's the vision then for for been there, done that? I mean, where do you see you know the company maybe you know three mm-hmm. to five years down the road? Yeah, we see um, we see ourselves. Uh, our our goal is 200 to 250 units across North America. Um, we've mapped out uh, we've mapped out um, Canada and the United States, and, and we know we can do it. Um, right. But we're, we don't plan on biting off more than we can chew, though. So we have a we have a model sure. um, that calls for sustained and controlled growth. So we don't want to, you know, support is so important in franchising, Mario. You got to have the people yeah. to help the new franchise operators. And if you grow too fast, sometimes you can outgrow your your support team. So. We want to make sure we grow at a at a good rate um, that we can work and help support our franchise operators to be successful, and um, in so doing, our, our validation and our franchise with our fran- existing franchise operators will continue to be positive, and um, and so so that's our goal: 200 to 250 units, but that's probably in the next 10 years, to be honest with you. That's great. I mean, it's it's you know it's nice that you know it's going to be that kind of growth, as you said. You know, I always wonder, uh, John. You know how sometimes some of these you know the big franchises where you got you know thirty six thousand franchises, yeah. how, how difficult it must be to support all of those different franchisees. It, it must be quite difficult, isn't it? Again, you probably know better than I do because you've been in franchising you know such a long time now. But that that's a little bit overwhelming, isn't it, when you're dealing with that many franchisees? Well, it is. I mean, I've never been involved in a franchise or that's that large, so I, you know, I'm, right, you know, right. I, so it's hard for me to relate to that. But I, I'll, I'll tell you, I sure. relate again from the franchisee side. If when I was a franchisee, if I wanted to talk to my franchise support rep, I wanted to be able to pick up the phone and actually speak to somebody. Of you know? course, and right. So, Absolutely. so that's that's sort of how we base everything. So, um, yeah. you know, it's it's grow and grow aggressively, but grow under control and do it right. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to continue to do that. And, and I think if we're successful at doing that, we're going to be successful at growing this business and continuing to do what we've been doing for the last few years. That's terrific. What's the best way, John, for our listeners to get more information on Been There, Dump That? Is the website the best place to go to? I mean, the website is fantastic, by the way. There's a lot of great yeah. information. Well, thank you. Is that the best place to go to? I would say, yeah. I mean, you, you know, go to com or com. 
Um, okay. And 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 you can find out uh, so much information now. Now I will tell you, we're in a little bit of the middle of a redesign on the website. So the the okay, it's just we're just making it a little prettier, Marty. And and you have to do that okay. once in a while just to keep things up to date. Of but um, yes, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful uh, opportunity for me to talk about the business. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking to you, John. I, I think this is a wonderful concept. I was very excited to talk to you today because, as I said, I was. I, I said, God, why didn't I think of that? You know, I mean, it's just so clever and brilliant. You know, so uh, you know, I expect great things from Been There, Dump That. I'm going to keep following you, and I'd like to invite you back. You know, in the near future, as you continue to grow, I think this is terrific. I'd love to be able to do that. And thanks again. Um, have a great day, Marty. Hi everyone and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews where for over seven years now we've been asking the franchise owners a one-on-one. I'm your host Marty McDermott, I'm the president of Franchise Interviews and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with the CEO of Junk Luggers, Josh Cohen. And since 2004, the Junk Luggers has been offering an environmentally friendly alternative to traditional junk removal. Hey Josh, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Marty, thanks for having me. Uh, It's my pleasure, Josh. We'd like to ask our guests where you're calling from this morning, Josh. New York City. That's fantastic. Of course, one of my favorite places. I was born in New York, and uh, so I don't even have to ask you how the weather is there today because I'm in Pennsylvania. We're about 70 miles uh, west of, of the city, so that's fantastic. Uh, this is, you know, when I was reading about your story, Josh, I was fascinated for for many different reasons. But you know, maybe you could talk or describe the history of junk luggers. Yeah, sure. So um, the whole thing started in 2004 uh, using my mom's Dodge Durango. And I got the idea while I was studying abroad in Australia. Brent said he made $100 hauling away a neighbor's refrigerator. And I thought that was a great idea. Right. I was only making, you know, I think, minimum wage at my internship that I had planned for that summer. So sure. went home, printed out some homemade flyers from my parents' computer, and just started going around town, handing them out. It's, I mean, it is. It's fantastic. You know, it, it's, it's, it, did your education help you, I mean, in, in coming up with this whole concept as well, um, Josh, while you were studying abroad? I'd like to say yes. I think my parents would really like me to say yes. Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> um, and I think it, it gave some some good foundation. I went to business school, but uh, I, I really do believe most of the learning was, you know, kind of on the ground as you as we went. That's fantastic. And you know, of course, you know, being your, you know your mom was a part of that whole thing in the beginning too. You know, I mean, it's always you know we love these stories, having these you know these kind of stories on the show you know so it's very interesting maybe you could talk a little bit about junk luggers as you know a franchise like if you were at um, a franchise show josh and someone came up to your booth and they said okay so what do you guys do how do you typically respond to the question yeah i mean in general junk removal it's a service that everyone needs at some point in their life yeah. mm-hmm. so you know rather than dealing with the daunting kind of backbreaking task of removing Generally, bulky, heavy, unwanted things like sofas or construction right. debris. You know, people would rather just pay us to take care of all the work for them. And so that's what we do when we provide a extremely customer-friendly and customer-centric approach to it, from the time they give us a call all the way until we sweep up when the job's complete. That's fantastic. And you guys do it a little different too, because you know, I mean, there's a, a lot involved in. Um, donating um, a lot of the items, I guess, to, like, charities. Um, How does that work, Josh? Yeah, so that's a huge part of our business. In general, our our company mission is to keep as many items out of the landfills through donating and recycling. We have this big, hairy, audacious goal of uh, having 0% end up in landfills by 2020. 
Wow. So one of the main ways we do that is by taking a lot of these things that we haul away that are generally you know, still in decent enough shape for someone to use, and we donate them to local charities and donation centers. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I think that's just great. It's a fantastic goal, you know, that, that of course, you've set for the company. So I, I think that's great. How do you use technology in your business? Or is, is technology even used um, in, in this type of business, Josh? Definitely. I mean, I'm 31, and I started the business when I was 21. So I guess I, I feel like I grew up in the technology era uh-huh. in, in yeah. a way. Um, and I saw the benefits of it. So, you know, um, we've developed our own customized uh, cloud-based software management system. Okay. Uh, there's, we also have an app that our guys in the field can use, and, and basically it's a way to manage all of the daily operations and scheduling and reporting and do it in an efficient and, and real-time way. That's fantastic. This um, You're in a pretty big industry too, Josh. I mean, you're right. You know, at some point, you know, everyone – has to remove junk, you know, from their home. And, and, you know, my wife and I were recently talking the other day saying that, you know, I I think we're ready for that. You know, we've been in our home now for nine years. So um, the market is pretty big. I mean, are there any numbers as far as how big your industry is? It seems like, to me, this industry gets bigger every year. I I mean, my hunch is that there's growth in this industry. I mean, we've been growing steadily for the past ten years. Even through the recession, we, we continued to grow. And I think that's because, you know, people are getting a stronger awareness that this type of industry and service is yeah, out there. That's true. And also there's just unlimited potential because everyone, business or per, or personal, um, they have stuff that they need to get rid of. So, you know, we've done some studies. We, we, it looks like a, there's a projected 5% annual growth expected through 2020. Wow. And we see this industry... Um, Kind of maxing out around 1.4 billion, and we're not even close to that as an industry right now. Right, right. I remember as a as as a kid, I grew up in in Sayreville, New Jersey, Josh, and I remember my father. We had this big old station wagon, and we'd literally drive to a, a, a junkyard. It was almost like a landfill, you know. Down uh-huh. the back, and you pay the guy some, you know, you give him a ten dollar. I don't even know how much he gave him at the time, and he just threw everything out, you know, in the junkyard. So it, it's it's interesting how things have changed today, and of course, our society has become more. Um, environmentally conscious, you know. So I, I've I've been a, a fan of this this your business and this industry for for a long time now. So I think it's fantastic. But what's been the most interesting thing that's happened to you um, since launching uh, Junk Luggers? <laughs> Tough the question most for our interesting. guests. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what do you, what do you mean exactly? Well, is there anything that stands out? I mean, in your particular business, I mean, you must have, you know, if I was sitting down having a cup of coffee with you, I bet you'd have some fantastic stories. Um, you know, does does anything stand out? I, I mean, you started this, this business at, at a pretty young age. You know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and, and, and I think you were probably one of the youngest as far as starting it at the time. So the, any stories that stand out? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think, you know, what I've learned is we've grown the business, and at this point we're, we're at about $3 million company or system-wide. We have about wow. 60 employees system-wide, um, and we're just we're just getting started, by the way. Um, but a, a, a lot of the most interesting experiences, I would say, have come around just managing people and managing customer uh-huh. experiences. Uh-huh. And I've certainly found early on that uh, – 
the better we're able to kind of treat people and support them on our team especially, uh, the better they're going to help grow the company and just make it an enjoyable place to come to work. Um, So I think, I don't know if I can think of one, uh, and I'm sure as soon as we hang up I will, but one (laughs) very interesting. Yeah, yeah, but that was, I would say, one of the biggest learning curves in, in growing a business, especially starting at such a young age. Yeah, it's very. I think it's very powerful what you just said, Josh. You know, and I'm going to actually have. Um, I, I teach for Catholic University, and I'm going to have my business students listen to that statement that that you just said because you know it is very important, isn't it? You know, is of course finding the right people, you know, to work with and and, and things like that. And it's it's not always um, uh, so easy, is it? You know, so. Um, I, I especially when you terrific. don't have any money. <laughs> especially when you don't have any money. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and again, I just love the story of you know how you started with. It really totally grassroots, you know, with, with sound like some basic flyers. Do you still have copies of those flyers, by the way, those very first flyers? Yes, I that do. You, that's I that's do. fantastic. I mean, that's historic, you know, really. I, I think you should <laughs> save those because someone's going to be asking for you uh, one day, you know, to, to, to take a look at those. So I think that's that's great. You're listening to Franchise Interviews, and we're speaking with the CEO of Junk Luggers, Josh Cohen. And so what types of – let's get to franchising, Josh. What types of characteristics – um, will you look for in your franchisees? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and we've spent a lot of time really thinking about that and discussing it internally because one of the biggest things I I learned and heard over and over when, when learning about the, the franchise mm-hmm. industry is the better your franchisees and the better relationships you have with them, the more successful the franchise system is overall. Yeah. So, you know, in thinking about that, the top thing that we look for in choosing our new franchisees is are they a right culture fit for us and our company? Can we get along with them when we're talking to them, you know, every day or every week when we're on the phone and will we be able to see eye to eye? Um, so number one is, is, is definitely culture and, and we're not asking, we're not looking for necessarily people to be the same as us. I know nobody's right. the same. Sure, sure. But people you, you'd feel comfortable going out and getting a beer with and, and having a candid conversation. Um, other than that, we're looking for people who've got fire in their belly. You know, understand yeah. that as a franchise system, you still got to go out there and build brand awareness locally. Um, and then beyond that, obviously, you know, one of the things we put as as last, but but not least necessarily, is is are they financially capable? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we certainly don't want people, you know, investing their life savings and then right. Uh, and then losing it because they just can't invest a little bit more if that's what it needs for for this or that. Of course, no, absolutely. I, I think that's well said. Once you decide, you know that that you like them, Josh, and then they like you. I mean, how does it typically work when they want to go forward? Um, I mean, how's the training work? I mean, do they come to New York? Is that where the training would take place? It is. I mean, before we get we we get to training, what we do, we have a pretty um, in depth screening process. Uh, we really want to get to know the people that we're bringing on our team because they are very they're ten year contracts so long term relationships. Sure, of course. Once they get through that process, what we do is we have them come in for a two day orientation. We get them on the truck, make sure they know what they're getting to. Uh, right, right. Um, and sometimes we even do that beforehand. Um, yeah. And then we'll we'll we'll, we'll assign a, a point person who's their dedicated uh, franchise franchise or rep. And they were they walk them through a ten week due diligence process to help them get started and and start to build the name out there. 
And then after this, this we do another three to five day training session. It's it's classroom and on the truck, uh, going over a whole range of things: finance, marketing, operations, um, customer service. And then we uh, we we let them loose to open. We'll send their dedicated rep out with them for the first week or so to make sure you know they're they're forming good habits and that they know what they're doing. And is and once we feel they're comfortable, uh, it's it's more. We, we support them from our home office here in the city. I think it's fantastic time now. I think it's great how you um, have them like participate in the franchise before they actually become a franchisee. Uh, we haven't had a lot of franchises on the show that have done that. And I think it is very clever that someone knows what a typical day is like as a junk luggers franchisee. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. You know, if you could describe to our listeners what is a typical day like as a franchisee, if there is such a thing anyway. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you because one thing I think we learned in our first year of franchising was when people don't have aligned expectations about what is what they're getting into, it it creates a bad recipe. So sure. we really want people to come in with their eyes wide open. Um yeah. a typical day for a franchisee, um it ranges, you know, like any business owner because yeah. they have a, a number of hats to fill. But uh, early on, some of our franchisees choose to be on the truck to really understand from the ground up, you know, the intricacies of of junk lugging. Right. Uh, right. So they're so they're going to jump on a truck usually around 6:30 or 7 a.m. They'll check the truck to make sure there's no issues with it. Uh, they might go to a donation center, a recycling center um, before the day starts if they have stuff still in the truck to drop it off and unload it. They'll call their customer ahead of time, let them know they're on their way, and then they'll go meet their customers and do some hauling. Some other really important things for our franchisees, and I'm, I'm sure for anybody listening, all franchise systems is, like I mentioned earlier, building that brand awareness. So we really encourage our franchisees to go out and network with the right people in the right industries who can help them build their brand and, and just to kind of build their name within the local community. So those are two two of the top things. I, I think it's great. You know, there must be. You know, I'm thinking as you know, as, as you're describing, it, and there must be some diversity too. I mean, I imagine like you know, if you're on the truck, of course, <clears throat> every day is probably a little different. You know, I mean, you probably have some variety as far as like what type of junk you're um, uh, lugging away. You know, as as you say. So I think that must you know keep things um, uh, keep things interesting as well. What advice would you give to our listeners, Josh? We call them, you know, in studying your background, you're certainly classified as an as an entrepreneur. And most of our listeners, they kind of know that they want to get into franchising. We call them franchipreneurs. But most of them don't even know where to begin their search. What advice would you give to them? Um, you know, like we said, really going in with their eyes wide open. Don't be yeah. afraid to uh, ask the hard questions to really understand because no business is perfect and there's going to be challenges regardless of what business you're in. So right. really understanding what those challenges are and making sure that whatever franchise you're considering is open and honest about it. Right. Um, other than that, really understanding the type of money that the business requires to get up and running and get profitable. Usually you have to, you might have to you know, talk to some other franchisees, which you should definitely do to, to find out how they're doing, but also when did they start to break even and, and to create a profit? Um, 
I think those are two two of the things, and then just yeah. really understand the industry and, and, and the type of growth potential. Yeah, no, no, I think that's, that's very powerful advice. So being that you're the founder of the company and the CEO, I can ask you the question, where do you see the company three to five years down the road, Josh? You know, we're trying to become a national brand, and we're trying to expand uh, first into every major metro market. So uh, in this next year, we're looking to expand down the East Coast uh, from Florida up to Maine. And uh, beyond that, we're just looking to expand into very prime markets with the goal of having 50 franchises up and running within three to five years. That's fantastic. What's the best way, Josh, for our listeners to get more information on becoming a franchisee? Any websites they should go to? Any numbers you'd like them to call? Yep. Uh, Junkluggersfranchise.com is our website. And they could always call me directly. I'm handling franchise development at 212-268-5882. That's fantastic. I want to thank you again, Josh, for coming on the show. I, 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 I really like your franchise, and I'd really like to invite you back next year as you continue to grow. I think this is fantastic. Thanks, Marty. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Josh. We'll be right Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.